Hallelujah. We're going to call our pastor to the platform to bring forth the Christmas message. Hallelujah. Let's do that right now. Let's give him all the glory, all the honor, for he is worthy. Amen. You may be seated just for a few minutes, and we welcome you to our Christmas service. Um, so before before I get into the Christmas message, there's just some there's just something I would like to bring to your attention. Um, one, I want to tell you that Wednesday night will be our communion service. Wednesday evening. We're planning on starting at 8 so that that gives time, people time to get here. It will not be streamed. It will all be in-person communion. Um, if you want to be here, please come and be a part. Our Christmas Day service will not be in-house, but it will be streamed at 11 o'clock. It will be only on our church website. It will not be streamed on Facebook, nor will it be uh, streamed on YouTube. Um, if you're free at that time, please feel free to log in to our church website and you'll be able to see the morning service on Christmas Day. More than anything, I'd like to say Merry Christmas to each and every one that is here. I'm, I probably won't see you till next, till the first, I guess, because we won't have any more services after this in person until the new year that Sunday but you know there's been some things and the reason I want to address some things is because I want the church to know even though this I got a Christmas message I need you to know as a shepherd there's things that I have to watch there are things that 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 I'm a part of a, a network that's Christian news and one of the articles that uh, that was uh, posted was uh, was this the nation's leaders are fostering an environment similar to Sodom and Gomorrah and it says it says it like this looked at the news and these are the the sort uh, the sort of headlines that we see I must admit I never thought I would see such a day where we're seeing the political leaders fostering an in environment for wickedness and uh, permeate the culture one one reads about Sodom and Gomorrah, but, but we never thought that we would be in a, a time of so Sodom and Gomorrah like it is today. And, and so in Isaiah 10 and 1, we should see something similar happening in our day. Woe to those who decree unrighteousness and unrighteous decrees. There are things that this world is moving into in the, in the world that is going to affect the child of God. It's imperative that the children of God in these last days, whatever the last days are, that we forsake not the assembling of ourselves. Here's something that concerns me. As the church, as we move forward, we are going to be challenged. As a church, we're going to be challenged. And I don't know how many of you watch The Voice. None of you? I watch The Voice. So there was, a, there was a finalist, and it was a young man. It says that he moved Gwen Stefani and made her tear up. His name is Bodhi Kuligen. He's 29 years old. 
He goes by the first name, uh, goes by his first name, which was given to him in, in his performance on the season, the final of the voice. And, and so even though Bodie pla placed second in the competition before the final aired, he said he felt he had already won because he was submitted to God. You say, well, why are you talking about him if he said he was submitted to God? Because when I went out and viewed, I don't know, you probably can't see how the graphics here, but his fingernails are painted black. The church today is going to have to take a stand. This is what Christianity's coming to. If the church is not careful, this will be standing in your platforms and singing worship. This will be your musicians. The Bible, my Bible, I don't know what Bible y'all read from, but my Bible says, come up from among them. Be ye separated. So church, this is what we're, we're, where we're at. There are going to be people that come from the world, but they're going to have to be delivered of the fingernail, fingernail painting. They're going to be delivered from the things, the earrings and, and the things. It, it, it is not, that, you know, though he professes Christ, he still looks like the world. It's going to cost you and I something to serve him because it cost him his life. Amen. It cost, it's going to cost you and I something to walk with this man called Jesus. Amen. And when the church starts letting down on some things and says, oh, yes, come on, he's got a beautiful voice. And, 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 he, and his singing, because he sung a worship song, and his story is that he went there, he didn't care if he won, but because he felt like he was called of God to go there. And that is great. But, but he should have represented God. Someone did not teach him to represent Christ. And just because someone tears up because of someone's voice does not mean it's a move of the Holy Ghost. I didn't come to bring you that message. I'm just telling you the church has to be careful. The church has to be careful. Whoever comes in this pulpit behind me has to stick to the word of God. Amen. I don't, I, I don't, I, I talk, I, I tell you, there, there's some things that I struggle with, but you know what? It's better to struggle with the word of God and make it into the kingdom of God than to allow the things that I struggle with to keep me from entering into the kingdom of God. Right? The Bible says you'd be better off to pluck an eye out so that you could make it into the kingdom of God. It said cut a hand off to get into the kingdom. Anything that would hinder you from getting in the kingdom of God Get rid of it. That's not my message. That's just to prepare the church because I won't get to talk to you anymore as a church until January other than Sunday when I speak again about Christmas. This is Christmas, so Merry Christmas. Turn with me, stand with me, and let's read the Word of God today. I, I, I pray you understand. I, I, I don't speak to you. Because I, I want to hurt you. I speak to you because I love you. 
Amen. I, I, we disciplined our children because we loved them. We, if you don't love your children, you won't discipline them. And they'll end up in jail most likely because they won't honor or respect authority, which we see that already. There's people that do not honor authority. They don't honor law. They, you know, anyway, so I love you, but it's imperative that we understand for the kingdom of God there's boundaries that God has given us. I don't like all the boundaries, but I have to live by the boundaries if I want to make it into the kingdom of God. And, I, and, you know, someone said to me, well, what if you don't have to? I'd rather live hard for Jesus and make it into the kingdom of God than live easy and then get there and find out I should have been living hard. And if I live hard and find out when I get there that I didn't really need to live hard, but I made it. But I made it. Right? Thanks be to God. And here's the thing. Sin can't be in the church. Well, it can be in the church. And we welcome sin to the church, but we can't allow sin in the ministry. Yes, sir. So turning to Luke 2, 1 through 20. Listen, I love you, but my job, it's my job. So that's it. I'm here to be the I'm here to be the alarm. I'm here to be the trumpet. I'm here to warn. I'm here to try to do everything I can. And I love you. I mean it. I love you with all my heart. But the Bible said in Luke 2, 1 through 20, says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Sisera, Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenus was governor over Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her first son, firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherd Shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings and great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto us, or unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward, toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from the from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, 
which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all, which means they advertised it. They were witnessing. And all that they heard, it wandered, it wandered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them where? In her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Amen. Just bow your heads for a moment with me, please. Father, we thank you for another day. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about, Lord, the birth of your, your son. We ask, oh God, that you let this be uh, anointed. Let your, your messenger be anointed to bring forth what you have given him. God, I pray blessings on this congregation today. And I pray, God, blessings on uh, our family and our children and our grandchildren. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I, I would like to title this, Christmas Hope Has a Name. Christmas Hope Has a Name. When we, use, when we use the word hope today, it usually really means a wish. When the world says, I hope, they're really wishing on something. Uh, they say, I, I, I hope it happens. I, I hope I get a raise. I hope the commanders win tonight, right? It is a wish. Everything that the world uses hope in is a gamble and a hope. It, it's a, a wish that they're placing. But in the Bible, the word hope has an entirely different meaning. The word hope in, instead of a wish means that we have a confidence in something but just haven't received it yet. It is tied to the, to the words faith and trust. When I speak to someone sick, they have to have faith. When I speak hope of healing, they have to have faith and trust Amen. in the one that does the healing. Amen. Amen. When, you, when you tell somebody about their financial problems or their struggles, there has to be a place in their heart that their faith is not in man or in themselves, but their faith is in the Lord and that they trust in the Lord, which brings hope that when I go to the bank, I'm going to have the money there. Getting a house, my faith and trust must be in God to get a house. Anything that I do cannot, cannot. I can do a lot of things, but without my hope and trust and faith in Jesus, I have nothing. When I say I put my hope in Jesus, it doesn't mean that I wish Jesus does what he says he will do. But it means that I have confidence that I have put my hope in Jesus to do what he said he would do. Amen? That he'll do what he said he would do. He said, I would stick with you closer than a friend. He said, I, I will not leave you nor forsake you. He said, my, my children, you're not going to be begging for bread. We watched, anyway, I don't want to go back there, but we watched the economy take a drink five, well, eight to ten years ago, but the church was not affected. Those that attended the church were not affected. 
because they were in God's hands. And their hope was not in the economy. Their hope was not in their job. Their hope and their faith and their trust was in the Lord. Amen. And not, not any of them, not one of them lost their job, let alone got laid off. So my hope has to be in the Lord. It means we have confidence in Him. He, he is my hope. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my salvation. Heaven is my ultimate home, Lord willing, right? I mean, that should be our goal. That should be our desires. Lord, let me make it to heaven. I want to get to heaven. I want to make it into the kingdom of God. My, I, I, you know, he is my joy. In this season, a lot of people don't have joy. They struggle. They're not satisfied with where they are. They're not satisfied with just having life. We've lost, kind of lost, we've kind of lost the purpose of Christmas. I mean, being alive, being saved, having a, having family means something, right? It means something. It, it means, it, it should, it should be more than what I give you, right? It should be more than just trading gifts because sometimes the gifts you know i've watched children i've watched even even with adults that you give them something and and there's it's different it's different but when the holy ghost when they receive the holy ghost it's a totally different Woo! look at the present that i received look at the gift that i have received jesus is my peace jesus is my healer Jesus is my provider. He is the Lord of the lover of my soul. So today, I pray that I can share with you, and, and, and uh, I hope that I can share with you and encourage you to put your hope and trust in the Lord. I forgot to start my timer. Because your faith has to be in the Lord. Amen. In those days, Cicero, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Curinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to this, his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea and to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in, a, in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. He didn't say for just you Jews, not just for just you people. He said for all people. Amen. Thank God that he was bringing himself in, a, in, in the flesh to be for all of us. Ours, all of us, to, 
to eventually go to a cross. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. He will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly, a heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men who favor rest. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had, ha had been told about the child. And, you know, I, I want to take you back, but, you know, in Revelations, it talks about Satan was trying to kill the baby then. Because the king, the king knew, he wanted to know that when he started hearing, oh, there's a baby being born, there's going to be a king, there's going to be a king, I, I, I need to kill the baby. So Satan had already begun to try to kill baby Jesus in the, as an infant. He was already jealous of someone that was being born that was given the name king or messiah, deliverer. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God, Luke, as Luke says. This is the story of the message that changed the world because of this one event. The world was turned upside down. Now we mark time and history according to this one day over 2,000 years ago. From the first Christmas comes those great truths and you can build your life on it and you can put your hope in it and you can depend on it. The event was so impactful that it created a, a season and a time that we give gifts. Just like the wise men. They brought gifts. Frankincense. Myrrh. Right? Brought it, they brought it to baby Jesus to, to, to welcoming him to the world. And so... When, ever, when has there ever been anything that the whole world, besides 4th of July, right? But the whole world celebrates. Some don't know why they're celebrating Christmas. That's why they take Christ out of it and put an X-M-A-S. Because they don't want to recognize Christ. But that's all right. There's a day, my Bible tells me there's a day coming when every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Amen. Jesus is the gift of hope. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. For hundreds of years, the people of Israel had been looking for hope. I believe today... People are looking for hope more now than ever. They're searching for it. There's pulpits filled with men and women that are not preaching hope. They're preaching false, false doctrine, basically. 
They're giving people false hope that they could even make it into the kingdom of God just by dropping money in the offering plate. Serve me. And I think uh, Reverend McNeil brought it out this morning. We were sitting, when, when we were sitting under Bishop, he was doing some training and teaching, and he said, if you're not willing to be a servant, you need to go ahead and hit the door now. Don't bother sitting in my classes. If you can't be a servant, then I don't even want to, I don't even want to waste time with you. Right? So to, so to be a, a, a woman and man of God, you become a servant in the kingdom of God. And that, that encompasses from the platform all the way to the back and out the door. Amen. You're here to serve God and to be a servant unto God. And it is not slavery. It is a, is giving yourself to God to do whatever the kingdom of God needs for the, for the hope of glory to be poured out into men and women every day. To share the gospel. They were looking for a savior, a promised Messiah. Christmas is a time of hope. We can all remember uh, as kids how we would hope that Santa would remember what we wanted for Christmas. A little boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of bring a little humor here. A little boy wrote a letter to Santa hoping to get what he asked for for Christmas for at Christmas. Here's how it reads. Dear Santa, there are three boys living in my house. Jeffrey is two. David is four. Norman is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good most of the time. Norman is good all the time. Love, Norman. We can clearly see in the Bible that hope, amen, hope we're talking about is not just wishful thinking, amen. My hope in God, when I pray for somebody, my hope is that what we pray for happens in Jesus' name. When I pray for my family, my, my prayer is, my faith is in God that what I'm praying for, that it will happen and come to full fruition in Jesus' name. I don't wish on it. I believe it's going to happen because I know who the Messiah is. I have a relationship with Christ. Amen. It's imperative that the church, in these last days, in these last days, hear me. More now than ever, we need to have a relationship with God. There are people denying the word of God because they don't know or they're fearful or, or it, it goes against what they were raised in. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. Because if they don't receive the word of God, if they don't understand the word of God, or get a revelation of repentance, and a revelation of, of baptism in Jesus' name, and a revelation that there is a gift that comes with all that, that that, that gives you life everlasting. In the, if the, when the Lord comes... You have everlasting life in heaven. I don't want to spend time in hell. We can clearly see in the Bible that this hope that we are talking about is not just wishful thinking or maybe so. It is a hope that is promised that you can count on. Amen. He is hope that is clearly defined. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known... What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's defined. He is defined. He's going to be your hope of glory. Here's what the New Living Translation says. God wants these great riches of hidden truth to be made known to the people who are not Jews. The secret is this. Christ in you brings what? Hope of all the great things to come. God made it very clear. Our hope is not in what we wish for or already have, but it, this hope is, is based on who we know. Who we know. Do I really know Jesus? Do I really have a relationship with Jesus? Because So, there are people we frequent, right, that we are just people we frequent, right? They're not really, they're not really people that we know, but we see them, right? And then there are people that are close to you. And when they're close to you, you know a lot about them. If they, if you're really close to them, they, they're transparent people, especially if they know you care, right? But then there are people, and then there's the people who don't really, that they don't really become transparent because they really don't want you to know what's going on in the background. And so to have a relationship with them, it's kind of a standoff. It's, it's, a, it's not a real relationship. It's just a, a, a casual, what was the word you just said? Acquaintance. I know a little about them, but I don't know a lot about them. I know a lot about Aaron. I know a lot about Alan. I know a lot about Nikki. And they know a lot about Daddy. And then there are those that you just have acquaintance with that don't, you don't know a lot about. Right? The same way in that relationship with the Lord. To have a relationship with the Lord is a daily walk. For me, it's minute by minute, second by second, because I have to fight the things that Reverend McNeil was talking about in, in the Bible uh, Sunday school today, you know, if, if your spirit's not right, you know, there are devils that we're walking with every day in the world that we walk with. We mingle. We brush shoulders with them. But if you don't really know them, you have no relationship with them. Right? You're just passing by. Well, Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. Right. Amen. And to have, so that you can have hope, you have to have a relationship with God. You're going to have to spend some time in prayer. It's going to cost you some things. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to, you know, you're going to have to get up maybe a little bit earlier so you can pray. Because it, 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 as the night and the day wear down, you, there's very little time to spend with Jesus because you come home, you're tired from working, you got to cook dinner. And then if there's any time to spend with a loved one in the house, then you go, I'm going to spend time with you tomorrow, Lord. Just You just hold on. I, I know I should have fit you in somewhere in my busy schedule. But my, you can't have hope if, you don't have the, if you're not connected to the hope. Amen. My connection is to the hope, which gives me faith that I can trust his promises, that I can trust in his word. That I, that I can believe 
you know, there's things, I, I go through some things, and sometimes I have to say, God, I need some joy. I need some peace today. I need, I, I just need to, sometimes I just need you to put your arms around me. You all might not, not even know what I'm talking about, but there are days that I look at things, and I, I'm dealing with stuff, and I feel like, dear God, I, I, I just don't, you didn't prepare me for this. Can I be real? Right? You didn't prepare me for this. So I need you. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to act. I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know how to do this, and I don't know how to do that. I, I need you. And like Reverend McNeil stated, the Lord just stopped him when he was about to do, go past the line. And that's what the Lord does. The Lord just shuts my mouth until I can get my mind. So he can get my mind, right? It's him getting in my mind and going, no, no, that's, that's not exactly how I would handle it. Because my flesh says, take the axe to the root. Let's just, let's just clean the field. When the field has rubbish and, and weeds and, and stuff in the field that is hindering growth, take the axe to the root. And God goes, no, that's, that's not actually the way I would do it. But there's folks going, that's, that's the way I would do it, Pastor. That, yep, yep, get that axe. Go get it. Take them out. And so I got that in the back of my head, right? And so then Satan's going, yeah, that's right. You go ahead. He's right. He's right. You, you listen to what that person said. Because that's what needs to be done. And then the devil, you know, and the devil's like, he's, he's telling you, right? He's been here umpteen years. He knows what you need to do. And I have to go, dear God, my flesh, this is my flesh, and now I got more flesh talking into me. God, I need you. I need you. I need you. You are my hope. God, you didn't call me to be a wounder. You called me to be a leader. You called me to be a one that teaches and, 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 and makes sure that and warns people of the things that are going on. You called me to lead the people so they don't get uh, uh, ate up by the wolf. And that when you see the wolf come into the house of God, that you uh, quickly begin to uh, notify the wolf that you have no dominion in this house. That, that you've got to go. That, 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 that wolf, you've got to get out or you've got to get right. Because the body already knows who the wolf is when they're right with God. It goes with what uh, Reverend McNeil was just saying this morning in, in Sunday school. He said, you know, uh, when, when people want to start talking bad about the church or about the leadership or about this person in the church and that person in the church, you can either choose to listen to it or you go, no, 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 this is my church. You might be here, but you're not going to talk about my church. If you've got a problem with my church, you need to go to your knees and work it out with God. Don't poison me with what, you are, what you're dealing with. I don't want to be poisoned. I want to be healthy because there's too many souls coming in the church that needs good men and women, godly men and women that are willing to disciple, willing to love them. Because they've been church hurt, they've been pastor hurt, they've been, they've been leadership hurt, they've been usher hurt, they've been all kinds of hurt. But our hope is in the Lord. Amen. The, my hope is in God. My hope is not in man. My hope does not lie in the White House. My hope doesn't lie in the, the Republican Party nor the Democratic Party. My hope lies in Jesus Christ. Amen. He, he went to a cross for me. They didn't go no cross for me. 
They didn't give nothing up for me, but Jesus gave up everything for me. Right? Jesus gave up everything for me. Even when I took his name in vain. Even when I didn't want nothing to do with him. When I, I, I denied him. You might as well say that when you take the Lord's name in vain, you're denying, blaspheming, and all that good stuff. You deserve where he has prepared for Satan. But God and his mercy, when he, when he put his little baby in Mary, and when he wrote himself in flesh and just planted that seed in Mary, and Mary gave birth and brought that beautiful baby boy into the kingdom of God, amen, that's where the authority began to start. Right then and there is when that baby boy was produced. The reason they were making it noised and abroad because they, they, you know, the Lord, God wanted everybody to know this is my son, my only son, whom I'm very well pleased in. Amen. I want you to know, and he only was here for 33 and a half years. He had a short lifespan, but yet he did miracles. He taught many people. He took people from, from places in demonic gardens where they were chained up under demonic spells and released them in Jesus' name. He took women, who, a woman, I don't want to say women, but a woman who had an issue of blood, healed her life. My hope is in the Lord. He is my physician. He is my healer. He is my deliverer. He is my way maker. He is my joy, my peace. He is my salvation. He's my Alpha and my Omega, the beginning and the ending. He is the lover of my soul. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let me worship him because he deserves all the worship. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the honor. He is hope that was completely delivered in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for, for who? That's what the word said, right? The New Life Version says this, Let us thank the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was through His loving kindness that we were born again to a new life and have a hope that never dies. This hope is ours because Jesus was raised from the dead. We will receive the great things that we have been promised. They are being kept safe in heaven for us, they are pure and will not pass away. They will never be lost. Our hope, you know, people, our hope is already here. It was delivered on that first Christmas day. And I know that uh, America has changed the date that Jesus was actually born, and this is the day that we celebrate Christmas because it's, it's what the calendar says. Biblically, we know that it wasn't exactly that same, but we, we know that Christmas Day, and it was confirmed on that first Easter morning because of Jesus 
he, his coming and what he did for us on the cross, we know we now have hope, right? But the, the gift, the first gift of Christmas was real hope. And, and it was God's hope who rescues us from our desperate condition. That's why it's so important that we share the gospel. There's a lot of people in a desperate situation, desperate conditions in their life. And I mean, I got a cousin, I don't know if my, my bishop even knows about her right now. She's been posting stuff on Facebook. Her name is Katrina. Her and I, when Bishop would take us to Huntington, West Virginia, we would spend time with all of our uh, family down there. She got hooked into heroin and stuff like that. She posted, she's been posting for a week now. Her first one, she's on a nebulizer, she's on oxygen. She said, if I'd only known the cost of the drugs that it would bring to my body. She said, if you're a prayer person that prays, would you please pray for me? I immediately responded, by the word of God and the authority of the word of God. I speak healing over your lungs. I speak, I speak deliverance in Jesus' name. Immediately there was another post, and there was a post that said, please don't judge me because of my actions. I said, no judgment, just the love of Christ. But there's many of us that have entered into sin that don't really understand the cost of sin. We don't know the repercussions of sin. And that was the whole purpose of Jesus being born and then going to a cross so that that sin could be blotted out, right? So that we might have life everlasting, that we might have another opportunity to make it into the kingdom of God. And I'm wanting her to know that there is a healer, there is a deliverer. Even if he don't heal her lungs, I want her to go back to a church that she was raised in that knows truth. Amen. Right there in, in um, Huntington, West Virginia, wherever it is, Diane Dodd or whatever, one of them churches, there are a couple churches right there in Huntington that are UPC churches, you know, that, that they could go back, she could go back, but the problem is, I got to let pride go. See, West Virginia's a big family, because it's got a lot of family down there, right? All of them in different churches. I can tell you right now, if I'm dying, I don't care what y'all think. I don't care what you, I don't care what, you, I don't care. I'm calling the church and I'm going to tell you I've got this and I want you to pray for me. I have nothing to hide because I know a church that's a praying church that there is, there's hope that I'll be healed. Amen. Amen. I, 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 we, we struggle. There's some people in the district that, that have life-threatening problems and they've not even called the district and said, hey man, put this out so all the churches pray for me. When something happens to me, you can bet your sweet bippy, there's going to be an email, there's going to be a voicemail, and there's going to be a, a, a there's going to be some, I'm going to be calling preachers up and say, get the churches praying. I need God to hear from somebody to touch my body. I'm ready to go to heaven, but I'm going to get Jesus on the throne. I'm going to get God's people praying. Because there are desperate conditions, right? And, and I believe my cousin's in a desperate position, right? She's in a desperate, desperate condition. She needs Jesus to do something for her, and she has once experienced him. 
In Ephesians 2, 12, it says, in the King James, it says, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. The Amplified Version says it like this. Remember that you were at the time separated, living apart from Christ, excluded from all part in him, utterly, utterly estranged, estranged, excuse me, estranged and out, outlawed from the rights of Israel as a nation and strangers with no share in the sacred compacts of the Masonic promise, the Messianic promise with no knowledge of or right in God's agreements, his covenants, and you had no hope, no promise. You were in the world without God. That's someone in a desperate condition. That is someone in a desperate place. But because Jesus was born, the Bible clearly states that without Jesus and his coming, we have no hope. There is no hope. Many people put their hope, put their hope in things that just don't last in possession. See, the, right now, I mean, there's a lot of people that have put their hope in their money. They put their hope in their homes. Their hope is in their high-end cars. There's people that think that high-end cars and big homes make you look successful. You know, I got a revelation a long time ago. You pay for something, and you're only there for six to eight hours in the evening. Because the dog-eat-dog -dog world is get up at four or five in the morning, go to work, dog-eat-dog, -dog, drive two hours back home, have dinner. If you have any time to spend any time of conversationalizing, then you're crashing back up at four o'clock. So you might have eight hours. On the weekend's the only time you really have any length of time for that home. Right? And, and the world would like you to think that you need the mega home. You need, need the high-end cars, the Teslas, and, right? You need all that stuff. But many people put their hope in the things, their possessions, their position, the power they have with on the job and and so let me ask you this question. This might be controversial to you. Pray for me if it is. But does the government give you hope? Does reading the things that our president says give you hope? Or coming out of Washington give you hope? Anything coming out of Washington, D.C. give you any hope? Whatever you believe, Whatever you believe, you and I both know that the world promises us hope that never lasts. World War I was the war to end all. I'm giving you some history. This is why history is very important. World War I was the war to end all wars. Less than 40 years later, World War II. Truth is hope that man offers no hope. We've been in more wars since World War II. There is no hope. Hope is a hope. He, this is what the Lord said. He, he declares hope. 
1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope. So I went to Washington Music Center. What day? Do you remember? Has it been two weeks now? So two weeks ago, our, all our keyboards have died. And we've never replaced one since I've been here. And I've been here 28 years. So this is the first brand new keyboard the church has bought in 28 years. When one would break, we'd send it out and get fixed and put another one up here that we'd already had repaired. Right? So I go to the Washington Music Center and I'm standing there waiting for my salesman to work with me. And he says, go over there. I'll be right over in a minute. And I go over there and the young man follows me. And he goes, you like this? And I, I thinking I might know something about keyboards. I said, I, I don't know. It looked like a small keyboard to me. It doesn't look like it to do anything. He said, oh, I work in a studio. I said, oh, wow, cool. Right? I said, so, so you use this in your studio? He said, well, I did, but then I found something better. And he took me over to that one. He said, then I found this one. And I said, oh, cool, man. You know, what else do you do? Oh, well, you know. So he said, well, what do you do? I said, well, I said, I'm a pastor. What? I said, yeah. I said, we're buying that mo montage or whatever, eight. He said, man, that's a good keyboard. I said, oh, cool. So he told me what religion. He's not in, he don't, he's not in no, no, uh, how did he say it? He said, I'm not tied to any religion. I said, well, I'm glad you said that because I'm not tied to any religion either. He said, so, so tell me, why do you serve God? I said, I am so glad you asked. He said, well, I asked my wife. She's Catholic. She couldn't tell me. So then I, he said, I started reading the Bible, and I, I said, why do you go to Mary? She said, because that's what the priest said I'm supposed to do. He said, well, my Bible doesn't tell me that, honey. I don't understand that. He said, why don't you get the Bible and read it? No, the priest is the one that teaches me. Right? So he said to me, he said, so I've asked a lot of people, why do you serve God? I said, I am certainly glad you asked that. I said, you're looking at a, a man that has been raped at an early age, at age 10. I said, you're looking at a man that was a drug dealer, alcoholic, drug addict, left his wife, left his two children. You're looking at, and then I want to put it all back together for you. God gave me the same woman that I married, put my children back into my life, gave me more children that I wouldn't have had, called me to the ministry, why I do not know. And he's standing there, he's like, wow. He said, where's your church? I said, well, brother, I'm glad you asked. It's at 5819 Kirby Road. So we went back up there on Friday to look at a set of electronic drums. And my salesman goes, Pastor, he said, I got to thank you. He said, that guy come back and talk to me. He said, he was so grateful that he had finally found somebody that could tell him why they served God. That it wasn't passed down from generation. Though I could be serving God because it was passed down from generation. But because I had learned there was a relationship 
in walking with Jesus. It's not a religion. It is a relationship. Amen. There's a lot of religious people that have no relationship. But when you have a relationship, it is not a religion. It's a relationship. Amen. I, I, I'm telling you, there is something about the love of Christ. And I was sharing hope with him. He was like, well, the schools are this and schools are that. I said, yes, sir, they are. But you need to teach your children. You need to have them in church. You need to have them in church so they know what the Word of God said. Because children don't, if they don't learn, they're not going to know. They'll get right in line. The sheep, listen, listen. Even cows, I'm talking, I'm talking farm animals, okay? Sheep, cows, all you got to do is get them started. Going in a direction, and they'll go. Right? Same way, if we, don't, if we don't raise our children in church and teach them the right and wrong of what the world is and what the Word of God says and why, why the world is not uh, lining up to the Word of God, that's what it is. You need to teach them why the Word of God says what it says. Right? It's not to be, well, let's just let down. There's many of churches let down, and they died. I know a church right now that completely had to just die in Virginia because they didn't have nobody to play the music, so they, they let them put their they, they let them put on their Sunday best and leave worship on Sunday morning. They came down off the platform and they put their 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 clothes that they wore all, all week, you know, what they wore during when they were in the world. And when he said, when the pastor started saying, hey, I really want you to come along. I really want you to just kind of start, you know, uh, falling in love with Jesus and, you know, get the Holy Ghost and, you know, start dressing even on, sun on Monday when I see you in the store, have the same thing you had on Sunday. Right? Because holiness. Nobody wants to talk holiness. No one wants to preach holiness because holiness is, is... right. Go ahead. Preach. Without holiness. Come on, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Right? Now he has no church. He had to quit because they told him, you leave before I leave. He finally said, you got to come off the platform. We'll just do without music. They said, we, we're not going. If anybody leaves, you're going to leave. That's what's coming into the church. That's why the church has to be the church. Amen, there's a line, there's a line drawn, right? God has a right way and a wrong way, right? And the right way is, is God, my hope is in you. If the church can't grow because we are walking in your way and in your direction, that's on you, Lord, but we're following after you, right? You've got to fall in love. Look, I got, I'm telling you, you, there's things that are, are um, when you love someone, when you love someone, right, you overlook stuff. Can I get an amen? amen? When you love someone, you overlook that good morning breath. Without going, wait a minute. Get to the bathroom, brush them teeth. Right? There's just things that when you love someone, you just, you just take an inhale. Right? So they don't smell that morning breath. Okay, I'm being real, right? I'm just being real. When you love someone you, and you walk into a bathroom right after them, I'm talking realness. 
I'm just. That's it. Come on. I'm saying there's things that when you love someone, right, you overlook. So when I'm in love with Jesus, there's some things I've had to overlook that I want to do that the Bible says I can't do. Right? There's some things that I have to overlook because I love the Lord so much. I want to make it into the kingdom of God. And when you love someone so much, you don't work, you know, yeah, you get, sometimes you get twisted and you go, you know, I'd like to do that. But, but God, I know it will go against you. I don't want to do anything that will go against you. Right? I made Paisley's, I, I cook her breakfast in the morning before we go to school. And I, I, I either have to give her a sandwich or I have to do a, a sweet tart, not a pop tart, but a, 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 what is it? A strudel. Thank you. So someone had turned the toaster up. I say someone because I don't use toasters but to toast her, her strudel. So somebody else had to turn that up. I clicked it down, and all of a sudden I'm smelling burn. I go by, grab that thing. Well, it, it was burning, and it was hot. I tried to drop it on a plate. It went on the floor. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm under a time constraint getting her to the bus stop. I go back to the freezer, get another strudel out, put another strudel in. I look down. That thing cranked over to nine. And, you know, it's supposed to be on four. And so, right? So, but when you love someone, you just overlook things and you do things, right? You just, you take care of what needs to be done. Right, And so when I'm walking with Jesus, there's things that I have to do that I may not want to do, but because I love him, amen, I, I, I follow his word because I want his word to line me up. I would rather make it in the kingdom of God and do what he wants me to do than to not do what he wants me to do and not make it in the kingdom of God. So I read you the scripture that says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always. Please, I'm closing. In the Amplified, it says this, But in your heart set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you. So the whole purpose of me going to uh, the uh, Washington Music Center and telling you my, that testimony is because I took the opportunity to share what, 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 when the Lord opened the door. So this hope we have that Christian, that Christmas launch deserves, that Christmas launch deserves more than just our accepting it for us. It also demands that we share it with others. Who doesn't take time to share something important with them? When you learn something, do you not take time to share it with someone when you learn something very important? The Lord is our hope. And each person has to decide on their hope. In Ephesians 1.18 says, The eyes of, our, of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The Amplified says it like this, By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. Who's the light? Jesus Christ is the light flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. 
So bottom line is the Christmas Eve service that we are here, basically this is a Christmas Eve service that we're doing for you, even though it's far from Christmas Eve. Possession will fail. Possessions will fail you. Clothes, possessions will fail you. People will disappoint you. Power is overrated. Control is a myth. The only person you can count on. Listen, I, I thought, man, it'd be good to get out of dad's house. I couldn't wait to get out of dad's house. I'm going to be my own man. But then I had to get a job, right? The job told me what time I had to be there. The rent told me how much I had to make so I could pay the rent. I never got to a place that I ever got to be my own bot. I'm still, right? The mortgage company sends me a thing every month. Pay the piper. Car note every month. Pay the piper. So I'm still work. I'm still being told, oh, you better pay that bill or else I'm taking it away from you. Amen. Right? So you can, you can truly put your hope in Jesus. I can tell you that. He clearly states that he has come and, uh, to give us eternal hope. Amen. If you don't know him personally, you can today. Amen. 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 You'd stand with me. You see, there's, there is something about knowing Jesus personally. There's a lot of people that say they know Jesus, but they don't really know Jesus. There's things that, uh, that the Lord has shown me and given me that without him I would, not, I would have never seen it or known about it. And I'm not talking just scripture. I'm talking about things that have happened in life. Things that happen in life. He was born to be perfect, a perfect sacrifice. He was crucified and buried three days later. Or he was crucified and three days later he was, he was buried and then rose again three days later. So that you and I could be saved. And in being saved, he said, he gave us the antidote, I guess you would say. The direction of to be saved. He told us that we would, through the men of God, Peter, he told us that we would have to repent, and that in repenting we would have, in repentance was turning away from what our sin is. That means I'm not going to smoke cigarettes no more. I'm asking God to forgive me and deliver me from cigarettes. I'm not going to smoke no more. My highball that I was drinking, or whatever you call them, my uncle used to call them highballs. They were scotch. Your alcohol, your beer, whatever it is, you've got to lay it on the altar and ask God to forgive you, and then never go back to it. And now marijuana has been legalized, so everybody thinks it's okay to drink, to smoke it, but your body is a temple of God. I'm just going to tell you, you, you know, your body's a temple. And it's a temple that the Lord dwells. And the Lord don't dwell in no dirty earthly vessel. He looks for vessels that have asked God to forgive them. Forgive them of their sin. And to, and to turn away from that sin. Right? Pharmaceutical drugs. Giving up pharmaceutical drugs. And I'm not saying if you're sick and they've given you a an antibiotic, I'm, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about painkillers, 
that maybe you have gotten addicted to. Um, what I'm saying is, is repentance is turning away. And you don't have to go to me. You don't have to come to me and go, Pastor, I need you to forgive me. Please go to Jesus and, and ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. His scripture says he is Abba, Father. That means that all of us have him as our Heavenly Father. That we all can go to him at any moment, any time. You don't have to call a priest up. You don't have to call your pastor up. You can go straight where you are, driving down the road, kneel, roll out of bed and showering and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I, I need revelation. I need understanding. If what he's saying is true and I need to repent, then God, reveal that to me. If I need to give up my cigarettes, Lord, reveal that to me. If I need to give up my pornography, God, reveal that to me. If I need to give up alcohol and drugs, reveal that to me. If you need to reveal to me that unfaithfulness is not, that it's a sin, reveal that unfaithfulness to my wife or my husband is a sin. I mean, the world we live in, that's the way the world is, right? It's not, it's not bad, it's not a problem for you to go out and cheat on your family. But not in God's world. If you're an unfaithful husband or unfaithful wife, you're in sin. Our hope and your hope today is in Christ Jesus. That's who our hope is. Our hope is in the Lord. We're going to just bow your heads. I just want you to meditate on the Lord. We're going to worship. After we worship, I, we will bless the food and we will go downstairs and fellowship. But I pray that you know that the hope that you have is in Christ Jesus. He is our hope. It's not in your job. It's not in your money. It's not in the spouse. It's not in your children. It's not in anything that you have here. Your cars. It's not in your homes. It's in Jesus. He's our hope today. Hallelujah. Bless your people. Bless your people. Bless your people. Bless your people, Lord.
See you. 